Your pet is an important part of your life, and Dr. T knows how to take care of your best friend. 107.7 The Bronx presents Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Tequila of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Every Saturday morning, Dr. T offers intelligent and informative pet health care talk with just the right dose of bedside manner, exclusively for our furry friends. If you own a dog or cat and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the Pet Wellness Professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small hospital, big medicine. For more information online, it's BarkMeowVets.com. That's BarkMeowVets.com. The doctor can see you now. Here's Dr. Michael Tequila and this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. Good morning, Pet Nation. Did you know that Your Pet Matters is the only pet medical-based show in Mercer County? And it's been that way since we started almost four years ago. I just don't announce it all the time, so I thought I would today. Well, listen, we got a great show coming up. It is now spring, and with spring, we get a lot of rain showers, so I'm going to be talking about those things that spring brings. And by that, I mean from a medical standpoint. And part of this, which you can't see on the radio, but we'll post an image of this, is I took a photo of a neighbor's cat, and I wanted to talk about the perception of what you see when you look at this cat. It's a beautiful photo versus what someone in the medical, veterinary medical field would would see when they look at this cat. Additionally, I'll be talking about heartworm and tick and flea preventatives as well as leptospirosis vaccine and these are all things that the rain the water springtime these are things that we have to talk about during this time of year but ironically many of those things we want to deal with as preventatives using all year round and i'll get into the the nitty-gritty of that additionally on today's show stephanie kowalewski joins me Everyone knows Stephanie Kowalewski. She's the owner and head hound at Heavenly Hounds Dog Training. And we talk about, it just passed, it's Dog Bite Prevention Week. And believe it or not, the statistics are crazy. You wouldn't believe how many people get bitten each year, how many people need medical treatment from those bites, and the situations in which people get bitten. Did you know that Young children and senior citizens are the two biggest groups for dog bites. And did you know that dog bites usually occur by the dog you know, and usually in what we term in quotation marks, an everyday situation occurrence. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the signs to look for when a dog is stressed. And Stephanie does a great job of looking. It's one of those things we have to look within. We have to look at ourselves and educate ourselves about the signs and symptoms and what we can do about those scenarios, especially around your kids. You'd be amazed at what the normal, quote, normal situations or handling of, of your dog is actually stressful for your dog. And we'll get into the nitty gritty of that. And also, Matt, my producer, has a wonderful pet project. I know many of you have heard about that very, very sad situation about um, pets and travel and about the dog that died on that flight. It's amazing. I, I got to be quite frank with you. From a medical standpoint, knowing the breed of that dog, 
I would never advise for that dog to be in a, a stressful situation, you know. Um, part of it is these flat-faced dogs. We call them brachiocephalic pets. Um, they actually have difficulty breathing in general, and you never want to put them in, in heat situations. You never want to put them in stressful situations. And again, it's all about education. But in this particular case, it's about, you know, dare I say it, it's about how people view pets, and that misconception and that and that troubling misconception that led to the uh, death of the pet. So Matt, Matt has a great pet project. He's going to talk about um, travel with pets and how you can keep your pets safe. Um, so it, it looks like it's going to be a great show. So stay tuned. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. And we'll be, we'll be right back after these short messages. Stay tuned for some more wonderful things on Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Hey, don't forget to tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on 107.7 on the FM dial. If you happen to miss our show, we audio archive them and we podcast them on iTunes. If you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Whoa, it is terrible outside today. It is pouring rain and being in New Jersey, we always have to deal with a high water table and flooding. So I was outside looking at some pumps, help making sure that the the backyard and my sunroom doesn't flood. Um, So good morning, Pet Nation. It's Dr. T here. And um, I think that it's spring, and with spring, I want to talk to you about a bunch of things. I, I want to talk to you about um, it's Dog Bite Prevention Week. Um, you're probably getting notifications from your veterinarian about heartworm testing. Come on in for your heartworm testing and everything else. And, and I wanted to talk to you about what spring brings, what the recommendations are, and uh, certain things that, that can affect your pet that we're here to help you with. But first, I want to get out of this hat. Shazam! There we go. Hats off. Everything's good. And lo and behold, the sun is starting to come out. So I'm happy. Okay, so I wanted to talk because I mentioned that it's springtime out. I definitely want to talk about a few things. Um, But during the springtime and during any time of the year, and I don't get me wrong, I understand that we're, we're talking about dog bite prevention week, National Dog Bite Prevention Week, but Really, this is something, in all honesty, that we can talk about all year round. And so, some important things you need to know. I'm, I'm going to make a little video with uh, my friend Stephanie Kowalewski, the owner of Hemley Hounds Dog Training, a wonderful dog trainer. But I, things before that video comes out, these, these are just seeds of information I want you to think about. Every year in the United States, 4.5 million people get bitten by dogs. And of that, at least 800,000 people need to get medically treated for this. So just think about those numbers. 4.5 million people get bitten, of which at least 800,000 need medical treatment. Of individuals that get bitten, the two most common groups are young children and now senior citizens. And young children 
the most common time of getting bitten is doing regular daily activities. So think about that. We've got 4.5 million people getting bitten, almost a million need medical attention. The number two people types, <laughs> age groups that get bitten are young kids and senior citizens. And it occurs during regular intervals, especially for those for those kids. And so, and it involves a pet you know or, or a dog you know. So that's the seeds of information I want you to think about before I talk to Stephanie. Just let that churn in your mind. Okay, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and, and right now you're looking at a picture. I took a picture in my neighborhood of one of the cats that is in the neighborhood. And, and, and it, it's one of those things, it's like, you see this picture and you go, oh, what a beautiful cat. Well, it's a beautiful cat taking a drink of water. And the veterinary team member looks at the picture and sees something completely different. So number one thing I'm thinking as a veterinarian is, is that cat up to date on rabies? Number one thing, um, believe it or not, have I seen rabies in New Jersey? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I don't know a vet in New Jersey who has not experienced uh, a rabies type case. So definitely keeping up to date on your rabies vaccine is not only the legal thing to do, it is the best medical thing to do. Um, and so definitely that's, that's the first thing I think about when I see an outdoor cat. The second thing I think about is another vaccine, feline leukemia vaccine. So feline leukemia is a viral infection um, we have a better understanding of it now since before when I started practicing, but young cats and older cats are more prone to get it. But if you get this virus and you get it through continued contact with feline leukemia positive pets, um, it could be grooming, sharing feeding bowls, just hanging around, you know, being intimate, etc. So those types of things can happen. But feline leukemia is a virus that affects the cat's immune system and it is very potent. And by that I mean, if a cat is diagnosed with feline leukemia, I, I've yet to see a cat survive more than two years with it. So I've, I've rarely seen a cat survive more than 18 months to two years with a positive feline leukemia vaccine. So that's the number two thing I'm, when I look at this picture, what, what I think about. The number three thing I think about is what sort or is there any tick and flea prevention on there? Outside cats are very prone to get fleas. Um, ticks are a problem as far as biting the cats. We don't really um, recognize any real tick-borne illnesses in cats at this point, um, unlike dogs um, and us, but they can still bite and they can gorge and they can go around the eyes and everything like that. It's not a pretty sight. So proper flea and tick preventatives are on there. And the fourth thing I see is, when I see this picture is um, cats hunt and cats outside hunt a lot and they're and, and linked with the fleas, if the critter they're hunting has fleas and the cat ingests it, they can get tapeworm. So cats can get a lot of GI parasites through hunting, just through being outside. Some of those GI parasites can be transmitted to us or our kids. And so the big stories you've heard are about um, sandbox use with kids and how kids put everything in their mouth and if cats and or dogs are in there defecating and urinating in there you get some issues with um, spread of disease processes there and I'll talk about the dog um, side of things in a bit but but those are the things that I see so it's a beautiful picture it's a beautiful cat but there are things that I want you to just start thinking about to protect yourself and your cat okay so let's talk about 
springtime. Let's talk about the fact that it's been raining out lot of water, a lot of flowing water. Um, so the most common things we see with respect to this in dogs are usually it's vomiting diarrhea. There's a lot of stuff coming up from the ground. Um, I, you know, I'm not a dog. I don't know what, what, what they love, what they love to do, but I do see my dog Holly is nose to ground at this time of year and she's you know, smelling stuff, checking things out, etc. And so um, a lot of GI parasites are, are or gastrointestinal parasites are, are common at this time of year. They, they, they're, they're, they're parasites that live in the soil. Um, dogs get them through either ingestion, nose to ground, licking their paws, whatever, eating other dogs' feces, eating their own feces. Come on, we know this happens. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things that we really wanna keep, keep track of. So when your veterinarian talks to you about checking fecal samples, it's, it's legit. The CDC wants us to check samples several times a year. And the reason is, is not only to protect your pet from gastrointestinal parasites, but some of those parasites, rounds and hooks, round worms and hookworms can actually infect us and it cannot be a good thing. Uh, I'm sure some of you have seen those, those pictures of people going on vacation down south and coming back with infected toes and everything like that. Or you see those really gross pictures of how the parasites can travel through the body and sometimes through the eye and stuff. You see gross things like that. And, and kids are always prone because kids are always doing this. And that's, that's a big, big issue. My, my kid's doing this right now. So we're a little past the, this stage, but it's one of those things we always have to be careful of. So, so get your pet's fecals checked regularly. There is a way to get rid of the GI parasites um, with your pets on a regular basis, and that is your heartworm prevention. So I want to separate heartworm disease, which is spread by mosquitoes, and the heartworm actually goes into the blood supply, and if left unchecked, can actually grow very large and actually live in the heart and cause heart failure. That's the heartworm test, and we test that with a blood test. What gets confusing is, the preventative you give, whether it's a chewable or, or um, a topical for your pet, not only takes care of heartworm disease, it also takes care of a few GI parasites. So that's where people get confused. And when you say it's time for your heartworm, it's springtime, come in for your heartworm test. It's not a fecal sample, it's a blood test. So I wanna clarify that right now. And I'm, I'm sure that everyone is, is becoming more and more aware of that, more conscious about that. So there's two tests we do. Fecal tests we do to look for gastrointestinal parasites. Blood tests we do to look for heartworm disease. And both of these are very preventable by using your preventatives. Um, and in Jersey, or in warm climates, and by warm I mean if the weather goes up to 40 or 50 degrees during the winter, it's recommended that you use these products year round. Now, the thing I talked about, the cat. So ticks and fleas. So the tick and flea preventative in dogs is either a topical or a chewable. And those, oh, there's some collars. There's some collars that work as well. But, but those are, are recommended in my neck of the woods all year round as well. Um, so it's something you definitely want to, to be conscientious of. And a recent study came out by one of our, our, one of our large blood testing laboratories, IDEX, um, it came out with conclusive evidence that tick exposure, tick-borne exposure to tick-borne diseases can lead to compromised kidney function in the future. So, and, and the big thing in this area is Lyme disease. We're starting to see other tick-borne illnesses emerge. Um, and believe it or not, I know someone who lost their dog born and raised in New Jersey to Rocky Mountain spotted fever. It's a tick-borne disease that we used to affiliate just with out west. So it's very important to 
to prevent your pets from getting these diseases, the biggest prevention is to prevent that tick from gorging on your pet's uh, blood supply. And the tick preventatives work really well there. The other thing I wanna talk about is leptospirosis. It is a bacterial infection um, caused by the bacteria Leptospira. And it is something that lives in the soil, um, lives in standing water, that it can infect the wildlife, it can infect us, it can infect our dogs. And once a dog is infected, their urine can actually infect us. There is a vaccine for it, it works very well. Um, and it is one of those vaccines that, you know, I'm not pro vaccination every year for pets and we're slowly, my governing body through peer reviewed, reviewed research, through scientific evidence-based medicine, um, indicates that there are many vaccines that can go longer than one year. So definitely talk to your veterinarian about that. But in my personal experience doing titers on leptospirosis, I got maybe 18 months max out of a vaccine. So it is listed as an annual vaccine and until further notice, until development of longer acting vaccines occur, then I would recommend that you consider getting this every year. And so it helps prevent the infection of leptospirosis to your pet. And that can then also protect us. Um, it is spread by wildlife through their urine. So I always talk about dogs that are nose to ground, any dog that that drinks standing water, it definitely should be vaccinated. But more recently, because we targeted those dogs, which tend to be medium and large breed dogs, a lot of the small dogs, which I call Paris Hilton dogs, the dogs that are always carried like this, well, they do go outside to do their duty. There is possibility of exposure. So a lot of those dogs actually tested positive for leptospirosis. So it's a vaccine that you definitely wanna to talk to your veterinarian about and get done. It's a preventable disease. It, it, it definitely can be fatal. Um, it affects the kidney and liver. Um, and it can infect us. So it's one of those things you want to talk about at this time of year. That, that's all I have for now. This is Your Pet Matters on 1077-1077thebronc.com. Everyone has a weekend project, and our producer, Matt, does too. It's time for Matt's Pet Project, your source for current pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and helpful tips and tricks to make sure your pet is as safe and healthy as they can be. Matt's Pet Project is underwritten in part by your other family doctor, the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small hospital, big medicine. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Your Pet Matters. I was asked once again by Dr. T to create a pet project segment and I found something that is related to the tragic incident that many people are still talking about regarding the dog that died on a United flight a few months ago. The article comes from a website called The Independent, which is based out of the UK, and discusses pets on planes as well as safety tips and regulations. The article discusses the distinction between pets and assistance animals, which are used to help individuals who are disabled. This very distinction is the reason why assistance animals are allowed in the cabin as opposed to pets, but only if they meet the standards of the airlines. Emotional support animals are also very different from assistance animals. This was evident in an incident where a woman tried to bring her emotional support animal, which of course as we all know happened to be a peacock, on a flight but was rejected. However, emotional support animals are allowed if the psychiatrist writes a strongly worded letter stating that the individual cannot be separated from the animal or it will affect their mental and emotional well-being. As for pets, they are supposed to be secured in a carrier and put under the seat. Now after reading all this protocol, it led me to ask the question, why did the United flight attendant 
go through with forcing the family of the young puppy to put their animal in the overhead bin, leading to its unfortunate death. With this tragedy, United responded to the issue with the following statement. This was a tragic accident that should have never occurred, as pets should never be placed in the overhead bin. We assume full responsibility for this tragedy and express our deepest condolences to the family and are committed to supporting them. We are thoroughly investigating what occurred to prevent this from ever happening again. Now, despite this tragedy, pet deaths during flights are actually very rare and only occur due to temperature control failure, poor ventilation, and rough handling. PetTravel.com, which was also mentioned in the article, provides more tips regarding the carrier that secures your pet, which includes sizing the crate generously so that the pet can have room to stretch or so during the long flight, using metal instead of plastic, and attaching a large water bowl to keep your pet hydrated. So that's it for my pet project this week, everyone. All the stories and links will be provided on our Facebook page. Now coming up, Heavenly Hounds owner Stephanie Kavaluski returns for another Hound Help segment, so keep it tuned in to Your Pet Matters on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. That's all for Matt's Pet Project. Tune in next week for more pet news and alerts only on Your Pet Matters. Matt's Pet Project is underwritten by your other family doctor, the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, your pet's life partner in medicine. For more information online, it's BarkMeowVets.com. Now back to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa of the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blauenberg on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Coming up, this week's segment of Hound Help with Stephanie Kavaluski of Heavenly Hounds Dog Training in Lawrenceville. So after, I don't know, 10 minutes of technical difficulties, <laughs> I finally got connected with Stephanie here. And uh, we're, as promised, we're going to talk about dog bite, uh, dog bite, because it's dog bite prevention week. <laughs> and, you know, as I mentioned in the previous video, I talked about some statistics, namely that over 450,000 people in the United States get bitten every year of that almost a million people, 800,000 plus people have to get some medical care for that. And the two biggest age groups for getting bitten by a dog are young kids and senior citizens. And young kids are most commonly bitten in what is termed a normal everyday activity or situation like that. And so, Stephanie, the big thing that we see when we when we look at social media, when we look at these postings on television, we see they show pictures of kids grabbing dogs and laughing and everyone's finding it really funny and stuff. Or you see a kid grabbing a dog's tail or just diving on them, everything like that. And, and we're starting to recognize that that is not a normal situation. And so um, for our pet parents out there who have children and who may be concerned about the potential for having their, their wonderful pet get lead to a situation where they're gonna bite, what sort of signs that w would you suggest that someone look for in a case like that? Yeah, so the dog usually tells us very clearly before they actually bite that they're uncomfortable. And unfortunately, we're just not we're just we're just not educated to, you know, to 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 see those signs. So big ones, you want to look at the the uh, ears. So ears back, obviously, you know, the dog's telling you that they're uncomfortable. One of the best things to do is to know your dog when they're happy. What does your dog look like when they're happy? So how, you know, when is our dog happy? Our dog's usually happy maybe when we're getting their food out ready to, to feed them or when we're playing with their favorite ball. So, you know, really take like, a, you know, and, and take that image into your head so that you know what your dog looks like when they're happy so that anything apart from that that you see differently, you can start to take notice. So um, a big one, like I said, ears back, 
pins back. Eyeballs, eyeballs. The dog sees something. Maybe they, there's a child is approaching, let's say. They want to look away from the child approaching because they're uncomfortable, but they still want to keep their eye on the child approaching, right? It would be like me if I saw a spider in the corner of the room. I'd maybe look away, but I also want to keep my eye on it. So then you see whites in the eyeballs, and we call that whale eye. So you see that a lot. You see lots of whites in the eyes. You see a whale eye, you want to move away. A tight mouth, right? When, when we know that our dogs are happy and having a good time, a lot of the times they look like they're smiling. Um, all of a sudden, if that mouth changes and it's it's tightly closed, um, they're uncomfortable. The, the, the muscles around their mouth look, look tight. Um, tongue flicking. So the mouth will usually get very tight. And then all of a sudden, they start flicking their, their, uh, their tongue out. That's called tongue flicking. Um, all of those signs, they're telling you, it would be like me saying, um, excuse me, Dr. T, I'm really uncomfortable here. Really uncomfortable. Could you just move, move back? Right? So that's basically what they're saying at that point. They're not shouting it out from the rooftops, um, like in the case of maybe when they, when they do bite, right? When they're actually screaming and saying, I told you, I warned you. So these warnings, unfortunately, we're, like I said, we're just not educated. The public is not educated. So then people will say, well, the dog bit out of nowhere. No, they didn't. They tried to move away from your child first. Your child went over to, to, to rub him or to, to hug him and the, the dog tried to move away and your child didn't let him. Then he hugged him and maybe the dog froze. So you can feel the dog's uh, muscles tense up all of a sudden, you know, right under your fingertips, you just feel this tense dog and they just stiffen. So a frozen dog, right? A dog that's not moving, a frozen dog, tail tucked, ears back, whale eye, tight mouth, tongue flicking, wide yawns. So some of these behaviors, we'll call them a displacement behavior. So dogs yawn, right? But under a circumstance, let's say, where there's maybe 26-year-old kids running around at a birthday party and your, you know, uh, three-year-old lab is standing in the middle of it and kids are hanging all over him and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and he's yawning, he's not tired. There's a heck of a lot of stimulation going on there. He's uncomfortable. That's a displacement behavior. If he were laying on his bed at 9.30 at night, getting ready to go to bed and he's yawning, that makes sense. But if you start to see some of these behaviors that are like, what is he doing? That's just out of context context. Maybe all of a sudden he sits down and he starts scratching, scratching, scratching for no apparent reason. Um, he's telling you something, telling you that they're uncomfortable. So, you know, bites don't come out of nowhere for, uh, come out of nowhere most of the time, unless maybe let's say people have been punishing the, the, the symptoms. So if, if, let's say a dog does give a little growl, a little grumble, um, you know, someone's hugging, the, the kid's hugging the dog and the dog growls and the parent reprimands the dog and the dog learns, oh, well, I can't tell these people that I'm uncomfortable. So we got rid of the symptom, the growl. So then we just keep on hugging and hugging because we assume the dog's okay with it. And then the dog goes, nope, not okay, still not okay with it. And then they bite. And then it is that a nowhere because they they bypassed the warning because it was punished so that's your silent biter that's your that's I, i've had a couple dogs in the exam room were like that they it, it we we felt it was out of nowhere that they would just mm. do something you know ah that's interesting yeah and and they may have been punished for for yeah. for warning before i mean okay. uh, i don't know who said it i don't know what trainer said it but a growl is a gift a growl is a gift and not that I, you know, if, if, if my dog growls, I don't want to keep putting him in the situation to keep growling, but it's a gift because he didn't bite me. So I, I'm going to say, okay, buddy, thanks. Thanks for telling me that you're uncomfortable and that you didn't bite me so that we can work on that scenario so that so, he doesn't have to keep rashing so, up. Okay. So, so to clarify, most of the time that pet is trying to get away. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, so they'll, they'll be physically trying to get away, and then all the facial expressions, the tongue licking, the whale eye, the ears are things that they will be exhibiting probably simultaneously, right? Yeah, yeah, especially if they're kind of stuck in that situation. And one of the biggest things, especially with kids, and I love them, I have them, but I know, I know, you know, I know what the, what they're, what they're, um, you know, and, and not all kids love dogs, but, you know, having kids that do love dogs, I, I know that challenge um, of teaching my three-year-old son right now. Buddy, you see a dog, you don't just run up to dogs. And that's uh, okay. a, that's a yeah. big problem that, that, that a lot of parents allow their kids to run up to dogs that they don't know or even dogs in their own household. I mean, they're not, my kids are not allowed to chase the dogs and that that's big. And there was another trainer out there. I don't know who t coined the phrase, don't let your um, child become magnetized to dogs. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Like dog, must go see dog, must, you know, chase dog, must seek out that dog. You know, no, it's, it's you, you know, you need to teach them that healthy respect and, it needs to be a culture shift. But I think you had said uh, statistically, the, the the kids were bitten and under normal, like quote yeah, unquote yeah. normal every day, and that's the biggest problem. Like yeah. it shouldn't be normal. You know, these things they're normal to us, but they're not normal to our dogs. Our dogs don't hug other dogs. You see two dogs putting their arms around each other, that's a fight. Um, they do not display affection the same way that we display affection. And children, just especially children, don't understand that. They have a really hard time. So it's our job as as parents and as educators and as professionals to to educate the parents and children um to to be able to read read the body language but also shift their expectations um you know as to what's what's quote-unquote normal and you know i i do not believe that we should be able to do anything that we want to to our dogs and that's the shift that needs to happen because a lot of parents think their kids should be able to do anything yeah. to the dog so so i understand that i understand that that small kids or, or kids it's it's up to us it's, it's more it's more train the humans then mm -hmm. train the dog. Is there something you could do with your dog? Is it, is it more training your dog to be used to having a lot of people around? Like how could you how could you work on your pet so that it would make them less stressful? I guess in in a scenario, yeah. right? Well, it's one you should know your pet because every every dog is different, just like every human is different, and every dog has their own individual threshold. So there are some dogs who. Um, can tolerate a lot more than than other dogs. Sometimes it can be breed specific, but then it's also important to remember there are always variations within a breed. So we could make a sweeping generalization and say something like, well, if you have, you know, a schnauzer or a terrier, you know, that they, they might tend to have a little bit of a lower threshold for things, but there you could get a terrier that has a high threshold because it's just a variation within that breed. So, but it's important to know your dog and um, again, you know, know what they look like when they're happy. You know, I think, if you get a dog as a puppy, obviously handling exercises, touching, teaching them that touching is good, but that also is that's a whole nother, you know, uh, interview session because sometimes we end up doing more harm than good. We're like, let's let's teach you that touching is good, and then we're just like, person after person after person is touching the dog, and the dog's like, I'm just over it. Quite honestly, I think it's more us reading our dogs and giving our dogs um, permission to say, I'm done. 
you know, that they shouldn't have to want to be touched at, at uh, every time of the day. And, um, but yeah, I mean, if there are dogs that have some handling issues that will bite if someone tries to pet them, we can certainly, certainly work on that. Uh, we can build buffers. So uh, let's say if, if, if a dog doesn't really like being touched and someone just reaches out and touches the dog, we can, we can train things to, to build like a 10 second buffer before the dog bites or warns. So that's through some, some, um, you know, uh, classical conditioning, counter conditioning, things like that. But, you know, yeah, we can help the dog maybe, but they really, each dog has their own limit. And I think it's really primarily up to us to respect that and, and learn and learn about our dog's limits and just keep them safe. Awesome. Awesome advice. The, the question going through my mind is, so what's your understanding of why senior citizens get bit? Older people move differently and that can set off a dog big time. You know, are we talking about older, you know, elderly people that are, you know, in walkers or, or you know, walking with canes? You know, they have different gates. They move differently and that sets dogs off big time. Uh, much more severe for an older person because they have thinning skin. So what may have been like a, a warning, like a little nip that maybe would have bruised a younger person you know, is going to puncture an older person with thinning skin. So, you know, my guess to that would be maybe the way that they're reaching out to the dogs because they are awkward, possibly the way that they're walking, maybe because they do have something like a wheelchair or or a cane or something like that. That's great advice. That's great education. So know your dog, know when they're happy. Again, every everything every time I talk to you, it's always about reading body language. So I always tell clients that pets are wonderful body language readers of us. So mm-hmm. we have to actually reciprocate and become great body language readers of them as well. Yeah. I mean, they're living human. I'm not human. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I think they are. No, but they're living, breathing creatures. I mean, they should have a right to say, nope, I'm just resting here comfortably right now. Please don't touch me. And that's that's a big one for kids because the dogs are laying down. They're sleeping. They, they just want to go over and cuddle. And the dogs just want to rest. So, yeah, just learning about all of those different things that, that dogs aren't human beings. They just don't communicate the same way we do. So we need to to, to figure out ways to, to tell people and you know, to, to reach people so that they can learn how to communicate with their dogs effectively. And to be honest, kids, the dogs will come around much more to, to, to want to seek attention from the children when the children lay off. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you oh, taking the time. You. I know. So, so, so viewing and listening, I know this is a Friday evening and Stephanie has, has graciously taken her time out to, to talk to me about this, but we wanted to get this message out and I really appreciate yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, anytime. Okay. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great night. Bye. Thank you for seeing our doctor this morning. You have been listening to Your Pet Matters, the number one pet health care show in Mercer County. Your follow-up appointment is next Saturday at 10 a.m. Tune in to hear Dr. Michael Tequiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, along with his expert guests as they share their knowledge and experiences to help your pet live a long, happy, and healthy life. Want to catch up on Dr. T's advice? Click on the Your Pet Matters page at 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the pet wellness professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small Hospital, Big Medicine. For more information, it's BarkMeOutVets.com or like the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blauenberg on Facebook. Tune in next week at 10 for another edition of Your Pet Matters exclusively on 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.